I wanted to ask you, uh, maybe selfishly, because I'm a queer man, how does your queerness inform your faith? All of it. My queerness informs every part of my life. So it informs my faith, which is now it's my faith in humankind, right? Mm -hmm. Is that to always look for the power in the marginalized. I mean, I think queer people have so much to teach straight America. I'm Dr. Nori Rost, and I'm the leader at the New York Society for Ethical Culture. And I'm David Newtown. You're listening to Onomatopoeia, a podcast about the people and places of New York City. In this episode, I learn about living an ethical and queer life from Dr. Nori Rost. Nori's a short woman. She's almost 60. Her hair is graying and cropped. Her lenses are held by copper frames. She's never without a smile. Nori moved to the city at the end of July in 2021. She started working at the New York Society for Ethical Culture. It's a humanist community founded in 1877 by Felix Adler, the son of a rabbi. He believed that humankind didn't need a deity telling us to do what's right. What we need to learn how to do is to live ethically, and everything should be guided in an ethical manner. So there's no creed. In fact, the rallying cry is deeds above creeds, or mm. deeds not creeds, right? So it doesn't matter what you believe in, it matters what you do, uh, what you do to better the world, to better your, your community, to care for, for those in need. Nori didn't start off as a humanist, or even religious. She's the youngest of five kids. Her mom was a single mother. The last thing she wanted to do on her days off was corral all five of her children to church. It wasn't until Nori joined the Air Force and was handed a Bible that she became a Christian. She joined the Metropolitan Community Church, a queer Christian organization in Long Beach, California, and later moved to Colorado Springs. She was a minister in the MCC for 20 years. About halfway through, in 1999, she decided to get a Master's of Divinity. Getting a theological education made me realize I don't believe in hell, you know, I don't really believe in this whole God thing. So I made my UU turn and became a Unitarian Universalist minister and was there at All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church in Colorado Springs for 13 years and felt that it was just time to move on. Nori knew she was a lesbian before she ever found religion. In 1978, the first year the rainbow flag was used as a symbol of gay rights, The same year Harvey Milk was assassinated. At 7 a.m. this morning, San Francisco Mayor George Moscone and City Supervisor Harvey Milk were shot and killed in their city hall. Nori printed a t-shirt that said, How dare you presume I'm heterosexual, and wore it to her high school. Any paper she had to write for class became a paper about homosexuality. As she got older, this practice carried easily into her ministry. She calls it queering the scriptures. I would say God privileges the queer. Not that I believe in God, but... Uh, faith privileges, the queer, the outcast, the, uh, the ones who have to make their way differently. I met Nori through my friend Nelson Ojeda. He's a musician, an organist, and met Nori when he was 19. They worked together at that church in Long Beach. He's 49 now. I meet him in Columbus Circle and ask him what it meant to have a queer leader like Nori at that point in his life. My answer is, has everything to do with the fact that I was 19 years old and coming out of a very fundamentalist evangelical environment. So for me, it was just, it's probably, I, I said this to her recently, she wanted me to stop calling her Reverend Nori. And I said, okay, fine, I'll call you Nori, but I'm gonna say it with the same respect, admiration, and love that I have for a clergy member like you that was so important at the time in my life when I needed that kind of a role model. After Nori moved to Colorado, it would be another 27 years before Nelson saw her again. 
He moved to New York City, and they lost touch. When Facebook became readily available, though, she was one of the first people he friended. He watched her son, Sam, now 26, grow up through a screen. When he found out she was moving to New York City, Nelson and Nori made plans to meet up. You see someone and you don't know if you need to stay six feet apart or if you can give them that big old hug that's like 27 years waiting or what. And when she opened up her arms for a hug, I was like, oh yes ma'am, you're getting a hug. You know, it was really great. On a chilly November morning, I joined Nori on her 30 block walk to work. The New York Society for Ethical Culture sits a stone's throw from both Juilliard and Central Park on 64th and Central Park West. The wind is brisk. Yellow ginkgo leaves blow across the sidewalk at Lincoln Center, and construction blocks the intersections. As we walk, Nori tells me about others' responses to her moving to the city. But it, it was interesting to me how people saw that mm-hmm. as something that took courage. And I guess maybe it did, but I think if you're what was it? Audre Lorde said, um, this is a, not going to be an accurate, accurate quote, but she said something like, when I'm in pursuit of my dream, it no longer matters if I'm afraid. Mm. And I wasn't really afraid because I was in pursuit of my dream. The Society for Ethical Culture stands quiet and resolute across from the park. There's a gravitas to its facade, but the lights inside are bright and soft. Adler Hall, its main meeting hall, seats 812. The society rents it out for outside performances, but due to dwindling membership, their meetings happen a few floors up. Nori wants to change that. She wants to see those purple cushioned seats full of people again. She wants to teach them how to live ethically and how to see the world in a different way. I mean, we queer people, out of necessity, we have to navigate the world differently. And that's and out of creativity, because we're, we're, we're freed from the societal cultural norms of this is what a relationship is, we can create something different and do that unabashedly. This episode of Onomatopoeia was created by me, David Newtown. Onomatopoeia is a production of the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism. Joanne Farion is our executive producer and professor. Original theme music by Lee Feldman. Our graphic was created by Sunny Bean. Special thanks to Columbia Digital Librarian Michelle Wilson.